0: Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode. To seek out new topics and ridiculous observations. To boldly watch what they've already watched before. All of
1: it. All of New Trek is great. Anyone who disagrees is just sour and...
0: (laughs) Anyone who disagrees Anyone is just who sour oh, no is just okay. sour. my mom said that
1: Picard okay.
2: is a little too old for them to have done the reboot whatever
1: whatever oh wow whatever you're Biden just sour mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's great I love having new content and new Star Trek content and this is a great time to be a fan
0: Awesome. Well, yeah. Well, and I believe they mention actually, even one of the characters comes back in this, right? Isn't Maddox referenced in Picard?
1: We'll get into
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this How is does a classic episode start. This is a classic episode, uh, The Measure of a Man. Mm-hmm. It is uh, one of the most highly regarded episodes, I think, of TNG. It's the episode where Picard must prove data is a sentient being with rights and freedoms under Federation law.
2: Stop.
0: You're already getting teary eyed just with the synopsis. Yeah.
2: yeah I, I didn't actually like cry, cry. I just loudly wept. You know, I, I
1: definitely had a few moments of like, oh, yeah. I ugly cried. Oh, like, really? Ugly. I was in a mood.
2: I think I'm not in a mood. I think I'm in a super focused mood, but I did like have audibles that were like,
1: oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, did it start out with points. more of a, uh, a turned-on uh, noise from you? Because we got an O'Brien scene at the very beginning. Oh, and he did. <laughs> he got quite a cunning line, I might say. He opens up with time to pluck a pigeon when they find right. out that Data is inexperienced at poker and only knows the rules, uh, you know, by having read them.
2: Ah, uh, so that means, like, roast a noob.
0: Right. <laughs> roast a noob! Yeah, the, exactly. the more
1: common colloquialism, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, I think this is the first time that we've seen the poker table, right? This is for... our first yes. poker scene, I believe. Yes. I've never so, seen one before. <laughs> this, will, this will become an ongoing thing mm-hmm. for Next Gen. Mm-hmm. Is well, the, you would think. Around the poker table.
2: This is how men bond.
1: I guess. Yeah,
0: we get to learn a little. Actually, did we not see Riker bluff earlier in something? Or am I
1: making that up? That sounds right, but it all gets jumbled up. Yeah, same, same.
0: It gets jumbled for me, too. But yes, this is, I believe, the first poker trope that we see, because as Xander mentions, we do see it more with other characters, uh, specifically Riker and like, I think Worf and definitely Data, too, because Data gets better at poker.
1: Well, I'm not great at poker either. In fact, I'm notoriously bad at poker. Um, But I I wanted to talk about, too, the ending of that scene, because was the joke that Pulaski could like school all? She knew what she, she knew yeah like what did she say the axe man the man with the axe
0: takes all that's like some I have weird, no I don't idea what any that of, that of that means. I, think that, <laughs> I should look. She's
1: it so good at poker.
0: Oh, now do you respect Rebecca?
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> uh, no. I think that because she's amazing. I think that's a made-up thing, but it's okay. made yeah. up to the point to where you still get it, which is that she's a she's a yeah. hidden pro. She's a shark, right? Yeah. She
2: almost had my respect for half a second, but a real shark. <laughs> Would wait wouldn't until they won a hand <laughs> to reveal. Yeah, no,
0: she wouldn't do it after the first hand. That's yeah. not true. She uh, sets she sets the trap, but or she sets the trap after like having pl- folded. She folded. I the fold.
2: first hand.
0: <laughs> gotcha. I also am really good at that. <laughs> so yeah, we have a, an interesting little poker scene. Data's wearing a visor, which uh, it looks like kind of like a half a dinner plate right now. But he eventually wears a poker visor, <laughs> like a an actual green one that yeah. like you would see later on. But um. Yeah, so we learn that Data wants to, like, understand human interaction, and this is also also setting our scene for Data parsing information in two different ways, whether it's the literal definition of how to play poker, and then it's the social definition of how to play poker, which he learns in this first scene. Mm.
1: I also had the thought of this was a pretty long, cold open, because we had not only this poker scene, but then we cut away to another scene before we see the opening, so it's still the cold opening.
0: Another weird teaser break where Picard is on board the starbase that they just went to, and he recognizes this woman across the lounge, and he goes up and talks to her. Her name is Philippa Louveau,
2: Who is an extremely short actress that they framed in such a way so you wouldn't think that she was short for some reason.
0: <laughs> That's a really interesting they point. They shot Becca. her up
2: their noses because mm-hmm. when he was on the stairs and she was at the top of the stairs, they were the same height. And then and then they like tried to hide it. She's short. We get it. It's fine.
0: <laughs> I don't think most people would notice that though. I'm glad you yeah, pointed I that I out didn't because really I noticed that. I, yeah, I like think she's you're, under you're right. Five back foot.
2: She was extremely short.
0: Wow. Uh, shooting shooting low. Uh, shooting from the low angle also kind of gives them a little bit more stature as well and gives them a little bit more power. And that shot definitely did with the Enterprise kind of hovering in the background too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, and that that trailer ended lighting
2: that glowy backlight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, that scene pretty or that teaser pretty much ended with like, uh, him th- him having said I'd rather like have busted a chair across your teeth or something like that. Well, what was the I phrase? think what you're
2: forgetting is that Philippa Louvois prosecuted him (laughs) in the Stargazer court-martial. And I went back just to recap for myself the Stargazer episode, and that was where we first learned of the Picard maneuver, (laughs) which is when Picard ordered a jump to high warp, so the Ferengis thought for a second that there were two ships and they didn't know which one to fire on. Do you fire on where they left in warp or where they're coming in to warp they fared on where they left ha those stupid idiots now the Picard maneuver (laughs) wouldn't work because it's popular and everyone knows shoot at the new one appearing but at the time these Ferengis had no idea and he uh, was able to destroy the Ferengi vessel but it also destroyed his ship the Stargazer
1: I am so impressed you are amazing and incredible and I am constantly (laughs) impressed by you
2: my focus pill today.
1: The Star Trek fandom is so lucky to have you in it.
2: <laughs> wow, okay. That was yeah. a really big compliment.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Yeah, on all fronts. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Stop.
0: <laughs> and so Picard and her, uh, sorry, Philippa, uh, have mm-hmm. a kind of icy... And
2: Picard, you mean that pompous ass who's a <laughs> <the laughs> sexy man?
0: Yeah, damn That's sexy. sexy. Uh, you know, they have this kind of doesn't quite work flirtatious adversarial relationship where the flirting feels kind of forced but the mm-hmm. adversarial nature also feels kind of forced so it <laughs> doesn't mm-hmm. quite work in terms of their magnetism but that said uh we get the point which is that they don't really like each other but they still respect each other mm-hmm. um and we go on board the um enterprise along with this new guy bruce maddox
1: yes well, also, we got to see a cool admiral uniform. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the admiral. Yeah. OK, so
0: I really appreciate, Xander, how you keep pointing out different um, wardrobe options because I do forget Because I highlight. love that. I know. And
1: I, I don't always
0: appreciate that as much, but I do as soon as you bring it up. So can you do you mm-hmm. want to talk anything about uh, the admiral?
1: Yeah, this admiral uniform was I don't think anything we've seen before, but it was a cool sort of cross section of the TNG uniform with the gold uh, sort of lame Embalming, I guess, around Embal- the, the embroidery. edges. Embalming, embroidery, <laughs> piping. I would love, I don't yeah, know. For yeah it, piping.
2: Bruce Maddox to get embalmed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody that messes with data is on my shit
1: list for right. life.
2: I don't care if you come around. Well, let's get. Doesn't matter to me.
1: Well, what if it's justified that you have to come at data? Right. <laughs> what if you're Good a poker duty face back bound? Back what because if it was your job implanted
2: their brain into his data? No,
1: because <laughs> if you don't, then they're inherently guilty. You're, you're coming up the Riker conundrum. Oh, You've got to dunk on Riker data to save data. Two. <laughs> yeah,
0: the Riker gambit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: God, what a precarious position. But before we get to that, yes. we got to set up
0: yeah, let's explain this. why so, Riker
2: has to make this difficult decision.
0: Bruce Maddox is a science officer, denoted by his blue uniform. Uh, yeah, right.
2: You call that science? You'll never be Dr. Soong.
1: <laughs>
0: wow.
1: That's, That's true. Y- well,
0: we'll find... <laughs> So he comes on board the uh, the bridge on a tour with the admiral and the captain, and immediately Data and him lock eyes because Data Locked. recognizes him. And it turns out that uh, Data knew this guy from when he was in his Starfleet entrance exam slash and like uh, application status. I can't remember job interview. What is the word? Sure. Yeah. He yeah. Was, no,
2: all of those were correct.
0: He was the, the only person on the panel to say uh, who to reject his application. I think he
2: was the outspoken – it's as if he wrote the dissenting brief
0: (laughs) of those two factions. He was the
2: head of that faction. There you go.
0: And uh, apparently on the grounds that Data wasn't necessarily a person, right? So though we have – I think oh, in, in previous episodes. I tried episodes.
2: to my poker face for three seconds. <laughs> <What>?
0: <laughs> I can't remember. Becca, maybe you can tell me this. In previous episodes, haven't we outlined that he is a person under Federation law somewhere? I thought somebody said something about that in early episodes.
2: Ooh. Well, maybe he was, but it wasn't established as a law for all androids. Right.
0: I think. Like it a... wasn't
2: considered precedent yet, which we deal with a lot of legal matters <laughs> You're getting so episode. legal.
0: I love this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's the same as a matter of like the legal bubble that they're in, because first you have to convince like the captain of the Enterprise that this is a person. Okay, he's definitely convinced. Now it's the Enterprise as a a ship. Now it's moving further and further out to like the Federation. Okay, this needs to be law. This is something that, you know, everybody needs to recognize that not everybody does. Everyone's used to talking to a computer or talking like to their toaster or their replicator.
2: (laughs) Don't say toaster in my presence. Well, we haven't really got to the point, which is this episode turns into a courtroom about whether or not Data has the rights of a human, and we'll, we'll talk about the ways that we get there, but um, what was my point?
1: <laughs> you walked
0: into that with such confidence.
1: You yeah, did. I had a thing. Uh, I was gonna bring up, you, you talked about Bruce Maddox. Uh, later on, Bruce Maddox Ooh. becomes uh, essential to Picard the newer season uh, that is be, has been released um, with uh, Patrick Stewart reprising his role. Uh, so this essentially is like, you could say, a first episode of Picard because the things that happened here set off a big chain of events that uh, we revisit later.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Because this is, the I'd say, the most important episode we've seen. I remember my thing. Xander, you brought up an interesting argument that would have been great in the court case later, which is... Ha- you could define his consciousness because of the way that other people believe he's conscious
0: right that's what my issue was with this episode which i love this episode this episode i think is probably like the best written one we've seen yet um Mm -hmm. i'm not sure it's my favorite yet but it's definitely like the best composed and i was wondering why didn't we have more witnesses like wouldn't jordy be a great person to have on here who's like i don't know his best friend Or like um, Mm -hmm. obviously Tasha was a great example that they bring up uh, during the scene. But it's like, why not have the crew of the Enterprise? Even Pulaski might be on the Riker side in this a little bit, too, which would be an interesting like uh, dichotomy to have the crew all involved in this in some way.
2: Yeah, I think it could have turned into a much longer thing. Sorry, I just I wrote a lot about this because I thought it was really interesting that without the budget limitations, this could have been a huge scene. I would have loved to have seen this on the star base with hundreds of people present because this is like a huge Supreme Court ruling yeah. or the equivalent where she's creating this precedent and it's weird that she's just one voice, one judge gets to decide instead of a jury or instead of like a panel. But that's all budget yeah. of the uh, actors that they could afford that day.
1: Oh, just along the same thing of like, it might have just been a technical thing of these, this set was available for this many actors and you, it felt too crowded, you know. This Marriott conference. <laughs> well, story room. wise, they mm-hmm. made it because they're at a
0: distant star base and she's the only JAG representative there, right? So that she doesn't even have like lawyers or anything. So that's why she had to recruit these officers, Picard and Riker.
2: What is JAG? Judge Advocate stand for? General,
0: which I learned from the NBC show JAG in the 90s. <laughs> uh highly recommend. Uh and yeah. like it's funny you guys mentioned the set. Do you guys recognize it? No. It's a redress of the Battle Bridge. You can kind of oh, see dang. Like, okay. uh, where Bruce is is where the behind him is where the main view screen is and you see those like consoles up top like over there those are definitely like the consoles where people would be working if they were on the battle bridge
1: yeah I had made a a note we're on a star base so it was cool to see another like vessel in a way yeah
2: this is for when they do that fancy maneuver of separating the ship (laughs) into
1: yeah Uh Um, but with this I think uh, too there, there had to be a way to shoehorn this to not be a big Supreme Court ruling thing because that would have been impossible and outside the scope of where they were going so I think it was really clever of them to sort of okay we need it not to be on the Enterprise because it needs to be an enemy that's not among us but we want to feature the actors that we have so let's make among us uh, <laughs> Riker Thank is you. sus uh, so let's make <laughs> Riker be the one that has to like fulfill his duty because that I think that's creating conflict and makes it more interesting yeah. if they that's had all of of anybody available then they could just pull in people and, and whatever yeah, that's so it. I think the structure of these limitations makes it believable that this argument and case could have happened in this way otherwise you're right it's unbelievable that something like this would be decided in this way
2: well let's dismantle the order of scenes so we can get to how Riker had to make this decision <laughs> do you see what I did there Mm. because bruce maddox (laughs) thinks that he can just dismantle data (laughs) and he barges in here and he says give me your android
1: (laughs) i really like it when you dissect your jokes and just take it apart and you're welcome look at the (laughs) core issues
0: so after like maddox declares his intentions and there's some confusion about like what data's orders are and how he can resist Data decides to resign, so he starts packing up his stuff, and there's a really great scene in Data's quarters with Maddox where he marches in without asking uh, because it's not a person to him, and he just starts reading through his stuff. Data calls him out. He's like, isn't it customary? To do this, and I think I think Maddox even just ignores him. But they have a really great discussion mm. just about like how data fathoms things, and I I like that word fathom mm. because if data can take in information, but what Maddox doesn't understand sure. is how he processes it uh, and how he if he understands like subtext or anything like that. Mm. His
2: data's fear that. Sure, you can download all of the data bytes of my brain into a computer, but I'm not sure that it will be able to interpret the flavor of the information that I've given it, the things I've learned about games of chance, the things I've learned from my interactions and how I process those. I don't know if that can be stored in a data bit. And isn't that that flavor in between the information the definition of consciousness?
1: (laughs) One of the things that's interesting, too, is that this is one of the first times that we're exploring the concept of memory in the Star Trek universe, because later on, they do more explorations of like, okay, experience and memory create something called a memory engram, and that something can be modified or replaced or... or you know, switched around or something like that. So this is sort of the beginnings of that. Like, what is memory and experience and how far does actually living it go? It's the same as the transporter argument. Like, is the molecule reassembling in the same way when you transport or is it a different being?
2: Then again, if we believe in the transportation technology recreating data exactly, then we should believe that it can... Whose side are the you on, Becca? Has built another data over over I mean, and over yeah, again. that's the problem
0: with like living in this high-concept sci-fi. Is like we can we can easily yeah. contradict ourselves with some of the technology we've created. So,
2: but. Even if the transporter technology can recreate a data, it doesn't mean that humanity can. In the same way that our AI perpetuates taking up all of our attention span and creating new ways to you know, spread disinformation, among other things, mm-hmm. but keep us in interacting with it. The people who originally created those lines of code can't necessarily control the code anymore.
0: Right. Or how it's used. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But who can't control his own code is... Netflix. <laughs> but who can't c- control his own code is data, and he's and, learning uh, that. Yeah, and we have a little goodbye party for data. He unwraps oh. the gift just like my father does,
2: just like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: to save the wrapping paper,
2: <laughs> you have to save the paper. He makes the exact
0: same point, which is you can reuse it. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. We have a size rule. If it's above a certain size, you have to save the paper. If it's below, you get to rip.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he d- Does your father That's actually fun. reuse it? Because my parents have before too.
2: Yes. Actually, last Christmas, I only used recycled paper because I was thinking about uh, I read some statistic about how many rolls of wrapping paper and how many trees that takes and the plastic involved mm-hmm. that we go through every mm-hmm. year. and Just throw it away. So yeah. I'm all recycled paper from now on, baby.
0: Yeah. The wrapper tree orchards are like super low right now. <laughs> Um, In Animal Crossing. (laughs) (laughs) And in that scene, we also do get like a glimpse of Jordy, And he does mention how sad he is about his friend leaving. And again, I really wish this could have come into the trial a little bit. uh, But Mm -hmm. it does. It it still serves the purpose of showing us Data's connections socially on the ship.
1: And I also wanted to point out as well. And uh, Dr. Pulaski was introduced as a character who also viewed Data as a machine. Data, however you want to say. It uh, don't. <laughs> uh, and has since grown a poker game a going away party re- for his retirement Pulaski was there at both of those <laughs> events she oh. cares she's his friend now and she would okay. fight for him
2: she did say uh I I would totally be on the other side of this argument at one point when she was questioned
1: did she yeah but she did but, but, but that's the thing is that's what makes it interesting is that there's the
2: cognitive dissonance she's experiencing. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, we also, from
0: a writing standpoint, we don't want to make her the villain. That's why Maddox is here, right? It's like yes. she's she can't be fully antagonistic to Data's uh, existence <laughs> as an individual. Yeah. Um, so we get Maddox, who I think plays a great villain. I I know, Becca, you yeah. hate him, which I think it shows how good of a job he did.
2: Yeah, no, because he's doing a great job. They do good they actor. do a good
0: job with uh, some of these. Like, I think the villains I've most detested are Starfleet officers who are, like, cramping oh, the style yeah. of the Enterprise, right?
1: Yep. hmm It's it's becomes known as like the admirals are the bad guys. <laughs> like in a lot of Star Trek.
2: <laughs> Speaking of another bad guy that we're supposed to like and I don't, uh, Philippa. Yeah. She's she's like, Look, you don't like if we her? want to go against this, we need a case and we're gonna have a court hearing. And if you don't want one, I'm gonna say data's a toaster. I know. And that's why I got very upset when you said the toaster thing yeah. earlier. What a
0: weird anachronism get very to use violent. too.
2: <laughs> right? They don't have toasters anymore Data's a replicator
1: That's what you take issue with <laughs> Yeah I, I, I do
2: Very good point I will say data is a replicator Is a way better comeback It
0: would have been yeah. and It's like the equivalent of saying data is a water mill It's like not the same amount of Right biology.
1: but Along the same lines, she keeps referencing someone buying someone dinner and money in the Federation oh, yeah, so is a true. foreign concept too. But you know, <laughs> it's the sentiment buff. of yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's, it was a joke, you, know, are you buying? The turn She's of like, phrase. She's like scrawl
2: me a, a quill pen letter, <laughs> right. darling. You up? Uh, <laughs> you up? In longhand, yeah. yes. Uh, So this is when she makes the proclamation that the only way that they can go against... So we didn't talk about the order of operations. So what happened was, Data was told, he has to get dissected. He said, no, I'm an individual. I will not do it. They said, cool, then you're going to be transferred over to a different ship or the starbase itself so that Picard can't say what I can do to you. And then I can (laughs) dissect you and then... Philippa is the one that comes up with the idea. Oh, you did say this, that he will resign. Um, and then they declare him the property of Starfleet, which is so messed up. And then Riker has to defend the other side because he's the next highest ranking officer. And in order to do his research, he pulls up a schematic of data. And it looks like a, a clip art of a <laughs> Halloween uh, It skeleton. looks like a clip art
1: of
0: like a, a toy figure because the head is way too big for his body.
1: Yeah, it was like a game of Operation, but on easy mode. Yes! <laughs> Here's what
0: I will say about that scene, though, is that's a really great scene in terms of the writing because Riker has no lines. And in the Star Trek that we've been watching lately, I feel like they've over-explained a lot of the plot devices and the thoughts about what's happening. And he mm-hmm. just – he does a great job showing us rather than telling us, which is he pulls out the schematics. He looks – He sees something that might help him win his case, and he kind of has, like, a look of – not jubilation, but, like, satisfaction. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And then – you see Riker realize what this means for Data because he's working against Data, and you see the remorse and melancholy on his face. And early, season one, they would have like – ugh, we would have had either him talking to himself or have him like surmising with the computer what's going to happen. It's like that was – explaining like, to Wesley. Yeah, yeah. But now <laughs> this was just like a 15-second scene that got it all in there, and it actually was an emotional journey too. Like that was really great.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Do you think? And Frakes has really yes, brought a lot much. of that. Yes, very much.
0: Very much, Frakes. Doing a
2: fantastic mm-hmm. job. And he was a good actor from episode one, but mm-hmm. he's becoming a yeah, great actor. Yeah, I think is
1: a well. And we get to Frakes does a great it.
2: job
0: with presence overall.
1: Yeah. And he does a good job of conveying that both in front of and behind the camera. Uh, Jonathan Frakes becomes a great director of, among other things, but later on Star Trek. And you can really see him honing his craft here that he brings to the table in the future.
2: Yeah, it all starts with having a good poker face.
1: (laughs) Just
0: to fast forward into the future, too, like the Star Trek movies that come out that are based on the next Mm. generation. They're all uh, some of them are good. Others are not. But like the best one, in my opinion, is First Contact, which is directed by Jonathan. Frakes. Ooh, I didn't know that.
2: Um, Instead of saying fast forward, can you just refer to it as warping into the future? Yeah.
0: Yes, I can. Uh, So we eventually get to the trial. And uh, this is like happens in act four, which I think, Becca, lends to what you were saying, which is I could have watched the trial for like the majority of this episode, but it takes us till two thirds Mm -hmm. till we even start it. Um, But we do a good job of like setting up the context of why we are at this trial and a little bit of Data's backstory because we got to see when he was putting his stuff away. We got to see the Tasha Yar hologram, which I thought was a great callback and really does speak to his. uh, I want to say, Humanity But humanity Might not the Maybe the best word His sentience
2: Vulnerability.
0: Yeah vulnerability, vulnerability. Mm-hmm. No,
1: no sorry I, I said vulnerability. Gonna... <laughs> oh that too
2: <laughs> But thank you for uh, Assuming that I said A real word <laughs> um. uh,
1: For both of these Things uh, th- Of what you had Mentioned before Of, of Riker Finding the Off switch Which uh, Cr- Dr. Crusher Had found In season one But it had been A secret between them And now the reference To oh, Tasha that's Yar that's
2: what he found Yeah That's
1: what he found <laughs> What do you think uh, it was? And so the, I didn't know. Oh, okay. Oh, I forgot. Uh, yeah, it was more like I was going to say this is rewarding the fans who are paying attention uh, and keeping track of the the ongoing story. So it's not just like monster situation of the week, but this is rewarding people who have been there from season one.
2: Yeah, I I remember, of course, the time uh, it was when we met Lore that we first found his off switch. And I thought that maybe his friends knew about it from that scenario. But no, no one except just Crusher. uh, Crusher. May they bring her back soon.
1: (laughs) uh, Just attack that onto her name. (laughs) She's just having a terrible time time
0: at Starfleet Academy right now. Like just her and her staff are not getting along. Right.
2: Her teenage yeah. son has no parental figure.
1: <laughs> She's at the Daystrom Institute, and she sent Maddox away. <laughs> she couldn't deal with his shit anymore. Little she know what she set up.
0: Uh, yeah. So, Picard, the trial begins, and when they introduce Data uh, to the stand, they Riker tries to breeze past his accommodations, and... Picard wisely says, I want them red," which is a really great tactic because we get to see that Data has received accommodations, right? He's done something Mm. as an individual, which I think is one of the few plot holes in this story, which is that when we declare him property earlier on, that kind of goes against the whole fact that he's wearing a uniform and has a rank and, like, got through the academy. I don't understand quite that justification, but they kind of need to breeze through it to get to the trial.
2: Right. Well – uh, he—that was just one order because Bruce Maddox said, actually, I got some judge somewhere who was elected because of his compliance and, you know, just signed this warrant <laughs> that says, fine, you can own this, Starfleet officer,
0: Starfleet property. Yeah, frustrating.
2: Yeah. It's just, what is their record? You know, how would they get that? Well, position? Webster's twenty fourth Century Loyalty?
0: Dictionary, fifth edition, defines. An android, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? As a is it? Yeah. I actually didn't write down the definition. Is it a robotic? Uh,
2: Made to resemble a human being, uh, an automaton. So this
0: is something that I was actually confused about as a kid. I didn't know the difference between a droid, a drone, a robot, and android. But and I, I guess. And of is, course,
2: we all do no, no.
0: <laughs> but it, we well, know. But well, kind that. of.
1: <laughs> it's becoming real life yeah and androids uh
0: (laughs) so is it anthropomorphic droid right is probably what it stands for so uh human like in nature so that's that's (laughs) i like that webster's is still around in the 24th century
1: right (laughs) i i was like call it was sponsored (laughs) the dictionary was like hey could you just slip us in (laughs) yeah right it's
2: gonna be wikipedia
1: yeah and also, it'll pop up with like a "please donate to data's like." Please information. donate to Wikipedia, though, everyone, because yeah. they
2: don't accept any advertising, and they're the one true source of uh, non-corrupted information that we can all share. Just um, unrelated to no. this episode. Go ahead and give money to Wikipedia, please. Thank Data's
0: you. storage capacity is listed as 800 quadrillion bits. Uh, Amazon X-ray told me that equals 100,000 terabytes. So we're getting close. We're getting there. Yeah, yeah. It's mm. gonna start leveling off. It sounds oh, I like.
2: I think
0: I got one of those. Yeah. You got a hundred thousand terabyte <laughs> drive, and she holds up all, like something up. the size of a book. <laughs> <laughs> I have my
1: Nintendo Switch. What if you like? I had one of those, oh, and you wait, pulled no, out two. an
0: Android. It's yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So, uh, Jake, that is a sex doll. Uh. <laughs> the What's the head difference head between head.
0: a robot, a droid, and a sex
1: doll? I don't. Yeah, really. Uh. You walk into a bar. Consent, Jake. <laughs> well, speaking of mm. consent, holy
0: shit, Riker's cross examination. So Too far. Oh my gosh. Well, this was a big move, and I, I have mixed thoughts on this. So, first off, yeah. we talk about his mega strength, is what we call it, by I guess the legal definition. Lots of creatures a have lot mega strength.
1: Of beings have mega strength. <laughs> Vulcans have mega strength, yeah. for instance. Yeah. yeah. So I, we should, you, it's, What was the point of have, that? Because I think that they have to quantify that as an ability that other other beings could but have. what was the point of have... that in the trial? I mean, like, why show Just him bending? to prove the non humanity of him? Like, what being could possibly bend this? But that's what Picard considered... said: was lots of beings have it, therefore he is a well,
2: being. Well, don't try too hard to find logic because Frake's job here, or um, Riker's job here, is to look like he's trying his hardest
0: and also throw softballs. See, that's what I was wondering because he's not supposed to do that. She's. Uh, Uh, Philippa specifically said, if if it looks like you're throwing this, I'm just going to call it right there, and we're going to dismantle him.
1: Well, it was just a big advertisement for LARPing foam that's really (laughs) bendable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there was a tight kink in that one uh, on the bendable one for sure. Yeah. Uh, So Riker takes off Data's arm. Without asking him. Right. He asked the judge instead. Right.
2: He apologizes. Uh, that was a
0: really cool effect, too, with the arm like moving when it was in yeah. Riker's hand. And to show him that he's made of parts, and he is a summation of lots of little parts. And then he does something that, like, Built I thought—
2: Built by a human, r- no less. Yeah, yeah.
0: But he uh, does something that I think crosses the line a little bit, which is without, yeah. datas, uh, without notifying Data, he turns him off.
1: Definitely, I wrote down it's too far, Riker. Which I'm, now I'm wondering it it, if it is
0: too far. Is that like maybe maybe he did that intentionally to make such a too right? far of an argument that it would be better for Picard? Like, to why counter, do you right? feel? Hmm? Because that was jarring Good for stat. all of them to see him knock him unconscious, right? And you saw their reactions, <laughs> yeah. which is like, oh well, if you're having this yeah. reaction, you must have some type of uh, non-apathy for him, right? Empathy. No, empathy is
1: the word I should have said. <laughs> Double negative. Uh, yeah, one and the same. <laughs> that we all feel non-apathy. Uh, no, it's
2: though, <laughs> that that there may I see the etymology between those words.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, and I think it's if you also have been an audience member that's been paying attention, Data has stated, if you switch me off, am I not dying? Like, that is the same thing as you killing me. He's expressed that multiple times, including what's happening right now. If you disassemble me or disassemble me and and download something into a computer and then put me back, you're essentially mm-hmm. killing me. That's what's happening. So for Riker to just do that. it Riker- Oof, it oof. necessitates
2: a recess. In <laughs> yeah. And so everybody's got to go to 10 forward for a drink where yeah. you get the wisdom of Gwinnon. how do, Guinan. Am I saying that right?
1: Gainen. Gainen. Guinan.
2: Uh, Whoopi's character. Whoop. It's yeah. just whoopi. Um, which they're finally starting to use her well.
1: Oh, I love A source Guinan. of
2: wisdom and sexuality and creativity yeah. and brilliance. Not sexuality in this episode. We'll get to that. Not this
0: episode, but, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like they've always used her well. Like I feel like her yes. placement in general is like she, they're pulling out the big guns when they need her, and she gets she's used really well in each one.
2: Yes, but they haven't used her enough.
0: Yes, that's true. She's infrequently
1: used. Yeah,
2: yeah, and her – she brings up an incredible point. I mean, Jake, you were about to say something when I jumped in, so – No, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well – she brings up uh, that whole generations of people have been excused as property and allows them, but she brings it up in such a way that it's, it's agreeing um, mm. with, with the sentiment that like, oh, well, yes, of course, you could just disregard um, beings as property and then you don't have to feel bad for what you do to them and they can just be written off. And then this slavery analogy is very clear to Picard and it, it's just beautifully written.
0: I it's thought. also one of the best ways to convince somebody of something, which yeah. is to follow their line of logic because mm-hmm. you can't sit there and give them a fact that contradicts them because they're probably not going to listen to you. But if you follow their line of logic and let them see the contradiction of their, themselves, then that is something they are open to because they are walking that road. You're not dragging them down there. I really Absolutely. love how she went from disposable creatures to you know just looking at him straight in the eye and he realizes that he – She's talking about slavery.
2: Oh wow! I, I forgot the the term. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. Disposable creatures. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. Yeah. Well, and this is great too because this whole episode you speak of the writing is brilliantly written because we see different ways to argue a point, and what Guinan is doing is not just helping Picard come to a conclusion, but she's also <laughs> allowing him to to form the argument and, and be able to convince people. So he does exactly what she did for him. She's walking or, or Picard learns to walk people through the argument, through their point of yeah. view as well. So it's a double gift.
0: Yeah, it's great. And so he does, he, he walks us through data's life a little bit, you know, he, mm-hmm. he brings data up and he, he shows, uh, data Tasha's hologram, which I thought well, was everything
2: he had packed in his quarters. Yeah. Everything. Earlier. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Amongst other things. That's true. And like shows that this, this, computer whatever you're labeling him as collects things it, he he, right. he is accumulating not just knowledge he's accumulating experiences right and he wants to remember those with physical objects that's that's a very species like or that's a very sentient thing to do mm-hmm. and when Tasha when Tasha's is brought up uh Data mentions that he wasn't supposed to say anything and Picard says I think in this case she'd be she'd be okay with it. And I like that line because I think that's true. And Data mentions that they were intimate and every single person Mm. in the room gets a reaction shot for that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) They're like, the director was like, did you hear what he said? Let's go and check in. Did did, you heard what he said, right? Can I see that
2: hologram for a second? (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay, Tasha, forward button.
0: Let's uh, slow down. Um,
2: (laughs) Let's not talk about the fact that she was under the influence of some crazy sexy Uh spell. In episode one? Episode yeah, two. Yeah, episode
0: two. The the two <laughs> yeah, man like I think that. it was. Um Ooh, that's yep. it. Yeah, so Picard makes some great points and he flat out says we were founded uh Star uh Starfleet was founded to seek out new life. Well, it's right there. It's sitting right in front of us, waiting.
2: Let's bring up a hostile witness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that is weird that he said that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was like so th- this is clearly trying to be the lawyer episode of the show. Like there's always kind of something like this yeah. in a lot of shows around the nineties. They kinda like follow a trope. And it's not the last
1: one that we'll right. see in this show either. <laughs> like we
0: get the medical examination episode, we get like the mystery who done it episode, and now we're getting the, the, the law and order episode. Or Which was yeah. also law. episode
2: number one with Q.
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah, and yeah. a bunch of Game of Thrones extras in Q's. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, So do you want to talk about the hostile witness? Good old Bruce finally gets up on the sand. Is asked to define sentience, right?
2: Yeah. And how do you do that? He tries, and he says intelligence.
0: Duh. Data has Mm -hmm.
2: self-awareness. Come on, and consciousness. Hmm. Dude, tell me how you define that. And I love that Picard says, "Cool." So you're saying I have those. So tell me, how how do I have those? How does that work for me? Prove. Yeah. Prove prove that I do it. Then prove that he doesn't. It's a very scientific way to go about it. Yep. And the line well, that Well, he's dealing with the science officer. Yeah. Uh, and to this science officer, he says, he asks Data, well, what what would ha- What would does this court case mean to you? And he's like, oh, my rights, my status, my life. And then <laughs> as Picard quotes that, it's like, is that not what self-awareness is that he has these things that are in relation to himself? So he must have an idea of self and basically it almost comes out, I thought they were gonna go here. It's like, do you like data? Is this still like right. a personal <laughs> vendetta where you are mad because you can't pay it? kinda him go out?
1: there a yeah. little bit. he says something along those lines of like, are you do you like him or are you fond of him or something like that, doesn't he? I yeah, think that's just you like him? to show like
0: do you even regard him as different than equipment, right? Is do you have a personal feeling oh, towards right, him yeah. in any way? Uh, Picard tops it off with comparing how Riker says how? Yeah, you pointed out that data was created by a human, is therefore the byproduct of one. But we are all created by other humans, right? We're all just DNA. Ooh. <laughs> so our, and do our parents own us? Yeah, <laughs> our are we their child property because our,
2: we're made up of their DNA. Yeah, our
0: children' property, yeah. and that kind of that seals the deal. I think is that that's kind of the final mm-hmm. thing. You
2: know what sealed the deal for me is the line. If if we create your dream is to make thousands of datas, and if we do that, that will create a race of androids and aren't we to be judged on how we treat a race?
1: Yes, we are. I, I have to was tell really powerful. you I was already ugly crying by this point and mm-hmm. so I just was like every line it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just this was this episode <laughs> had
0: so much so many meaningful scenes that I didn't need a B plot and didn't even notice there was not one. Right. Like it was just it kept going and I kept being interested the whole time. In researching this I also discovered that there is an extended version of this episode that has like an additional four, 13 or 14 minutes.
2: Whoa. Yeah. Wow.
0: Um let's see if I can find the entry. It's just a here.
2: testament to how beloved this character they've created well, is and Brent Spiner's incredible skill as an actor that We're all so attached to data. Yeah,
0: Becca, you said in the beginning you could have watched this court scene forever. Well, I think they had more of it for sure. Let's see. The uh, Memory Alpha says a significant amount of the original footage was cut from the episode during editing, but was restored on the Blu-ray release, which we don't have. Since we're streaming, we have the TV cut version. Uh, Um, The extended edition features a 57-minute version of the episode. The one we watched, by the way, was, I think, 42, containing approximately 13 minutes of restored scenes and visual effects. And they have a list here of all the extra scenes that are in there. Um, Uh, really, like, I think I wanted to watch that version of this episode, honestly. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. But to your other point, too, I think the reason we had the courtroom scene with this limited act amount of actors and then the others with the other actors, I think that served as the A plot, B plot. We've got the main action happening on the A plot of the courtroom and the B plot are how everyone else is reacting and during the recess of the court and things like that. How, how is everybody handling mm-hmm. the, the case in a way?
2: Yeah, but it could feel like not enough if it were a different topic but because we're all emotionally invested in the outcome of this court case it's it totally changes the need for that but well, i also think that lends mm-hmm. to your
0: idea that this should be like a bigger deal in the world of star trek like i i think xander makes an excellent point that we can't have we can't feature other guest actor lawyers to do these roles we want our main principal actors to do it so that makes total sense but like this feels like it should be a Uh, Galaxy-wide verdict that should be broadcast everywhere about this And not only is it super important philosophically But it's super important personally for us Because we all are such big data fans
1: Mm -hmm. Right, but that being said We are, uh, what is it, like halfway through the second season And so you have to consider the longevity of this too One of the things that is the main pull of this character Is this sort of confrontation that he constantly has Of other people saying you're not human and him having to prove his humanity time and again so if we decisively now say oh you are sentient and you're a human that effectively closes that argument or that storyline that we're going to look at in the future so maybe that it wasn't the big deciding thing means that there's more to look at in the future
2: That's a really good point. I just thought this was an incredible episode because I think it relates so much to the things that divide us as a culture of assuming Mm -hmm. the other is not worthy or is not, doesn't have the agency to think for themselves and is just, you know, a sheep android going along instead of like valuing other people's opinions and other people's worth.
1: Totally agree. (sighs) Yeah, and it, it... It's a it's a good way to show implicit bias as well, because, Mm. you know, if somebody comes in with an opinion that they've formed on a machine or an Android or something like that, they have to be changed in their their viewpoint. And nobody in that room, uh, maybe data not included, started out thinking of data as a sentient being. Everyone had to be convinced Picard included at some point.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting – that's a really interesting point because the Guinan scene kind of serves to push Mm -hmm. Picard over the edge of how he can make that case. Although, like, personally – He even says,
2: I was almost convinced myself. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I know, right? I was like, really? After Uh, after Picard did that? That (laughs) got you? This episode, The Measure of a Man, was writer Melinda Snodgrass's first television credit. Wow. Yeah. So she – I think – let me see if I got this right because there's a few things. Uh, this was actually written during the writer's strike, and they were short on scripts because of it. And she submitted it, I think, blindly. I think she was like an attorney or something and wrote like a spec script, and this one made it in. Wow. Yeah. She had also done some well, other writing. Well, it makes
1: sense, like the law-based – uh, mm-hmm. episode
0: yeah right yeah yeah so it makes sense she was a lawyer um so uh she stayed on for i think later in the season and did a little bit of work as a consultant but this was her first uh episode on tv which what a great
1: one to like wow. start that's awesome i knew the right? name sounded familiar i did a convention sure. with her did you really <laughs> i did Amazing. she also wrote uh, uh wild cards which is another yes. with george r. r martin yes that's i was just gonna mention mm-hmm. that that's so funny so you you've met her before uh, we've met, and uh, oh. yeah, she's delightful. She's an incredible person. We got to spend some time, and she was a guest of honor at a, a sci-fi convention that we were performing at as library bards. Wow.
2: <laughs> oh, that's As soon incredible. as you said
1: the name, I was like, what?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Melinda Snodgrass is not a name you soon <laughs> Yeah,
1: I think it was one of the Southern conventions, like Deep South Con, I think. Uh Yeah awesome very cool well
0: this episode was well regarded it was nominated for the writers guild of america award in the category of best episodic drama i don't think it won but still uh pretty uh producer maurice hurley said that this episode was stunning that's the kind of show you want to do it just worked great everything about it and it dealt with an issue in a very interesting way i thought Whoopi's place was good in that she is a wonderful actress he is Mm. um and a lot of a lot of people say this isn't really so much a data script as it is like a picard script although i don't agree with that i think it's like a mix of both because both of them have such powerful scenes and like powerful things to talk about in their respective dialogue
2: i I think it's in everyone i mean Mm. whoopee scene as you just mentioned like it's such an ensemble and it's more about the subject and the plot normally is not the most important thing and in this case it is Mm. that's why it's so memorable
0: yeah they made the plot really interesting and as opposed to having to find interesting things around it right Mm-hmm. Like, there wasn't any action. There was no space stuff. There was no uh, really not very... I don't even think there were
1: visual effects, if I can think about it, right? Well, so. the, outside the star base and stuff, all of that was visually what? very cool.
2: Don't worry, we got effects coming up in our next episode. Yeah.
0: That's true. Yeah, there was plenty of uh, cool design, but there wasn't, like, yeah. anything flashy. And that didn't need it for us to really love this episode. Uh, but
2: Where can I find some flashy episodes,
0: <laughs> You can find it next week, thank you, Becca, on The Dauphin. That's right, Wesley falls in love with the new leader of a war-torn planet. Wesley. Wesley. Uh-oh.
2: <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week.
0: <laughs> well we should set course and make it I forgot so we did this shh. engaged,
1: engaged. <laughs> <laughs> that'll do